1: Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan,
3: host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know... What happened next? To find out, listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce.
4: and welcome back to coast to coast george Norrie with you paul Selig back with us considered to be one of the foremost spiritual channelers working today in his breakthrough works of channel literature including i am the word and resurrection he has recorded an extraordinary program of personal and planetary evolution as humankind awakens to its own divine nature he was born in new york city paul received his master's degree from yale a spiritual experience back in 1987 left him clairvoyant. I'll have him explain that. Served on the faculty of NYU for 25 years, directed the graduate writing program at Goddard College, offers channeled workshops internationally. His website is linked up at coasttocoastam.com. His latest work, Resurrection, A Channel Text. And Paul, welcome back. How have you been?
0: I've been well. Thanks for having me back.
4: Still out there in Maui?
0: I'm on Maui, yeah.
4: How's the weather? It's beautiful. It always is isn't it yeah,
0: it really is super super tell
4: us about that event that happened in
0: eighty seven well, it was I was twenty five years old, I think I had been clean and sober a couple of months, maybe two or three um I was out of Yale I'd been raised an atheist, and i was I heard that there was this thing happening people were calling the harmonic convergence, yeah, and people were going to be waking up and I thought, well, if they're was a God or something you might call God, and I was beginning to think there might be, why would it want to say no if you asked to wake up? And I went up to the roof of the building that I was living in in New York City at the time, and and I asked. And, you know, somebody had given me a crystal and a mantra, and I thought you needed those things to wake up. But I really went up with real sincerity, I think, in my heart and a real willingness to to see and to allow and to know and i ended up having an experience of energy moving through my body it sort of started at the pit of my being and pushed its way up through the top of my head and i was sort of swaying in this energy and my mouth was frozen open and my hands were curled up and i wasn't frightened And people later said it sounded like a spontaneous kundalini awakening. I don't know what it was. You know, I always think maybe I was just hyperventilating, and I was just ready for something. But I started seeing little lights around people after that, like fireflies. And that was the beginning, and I began to feel energy, or I started to open up as a clairsentient, without really knowing what these things were. And so that was the beginning of a passage that's really gone on for the last 35 years. It's never really stopped. I still think that I'm developing, and I think that was what it took for somebody like me who was sort of a, you know, a bratty, I had Billy Idol blonde hair, and I was a chain smoker, and I wore a lot of black leather, and I could have cared less. I think it took an experience like that for me to rock me into the possibility that maybe there was something more, and that that something more could be known in a tangible way. And in some ways, that's the work that my guides bring through to their students and their readers.
4: Was it like an epiphany for you?
0: No, it wasn't. I mean, the epiphany happened in stages. You know, I had started praying for the first time in my life a few months before that. and I don't even know why I did it, but I did, and I ended up hearing a voice telling me to get my act together, and I listened to it, and my life changed, and that was really the first voice, and when I think what it must have taken to get through to me at that point because I was so dense and so so confused, I'm surprised I heard it and and acted on it, but I think for me, this has been a process. I didn't wake up one day and say, oh, goody, I'm a psychic. I didn't want to be one. And I really didn't want to be a channeler because I didn't even know that I fully believed in something like channeling. But this is what happened, and it's been a progression. I studied energy healing as a way to get a context for what I was beginning to experience when I was maybe 30, 31. And I found that when I, I had my hands on people, I could hear things for them. And once that began to be confirmed again and again and again, I started trusting the station that I was tuned into. And then the channeling began. So it's been a process.
4: Now, did you write Resurrection, or did you get help from the spirit guides?
0: I don't write a word. of I sit in a chair, I close my eyes, and I take dictation. The books are spoken, and they're spoken. Resurrection was done entirely in front of audiences, either online or live. Or with, yeah, I mean, that's how they're done, the last, this is the 10th book, I think. But I'm a stenographer, I'm a a radio, so I'm speaking the books, the books are transcribed. The unedited transcripts of those sessions become the book. So I think in any book there may be three words that are changed because I stumbled over them. Um, And that's about it. So the books come out fully formed. The first book took about a week and two, two and a half weeks. dictate now maybe a month or two, because I don't work as long, um, or I don't channel every day because I'm doing them in front of people that have to convene.
4: Paul, who are the spirit guides that you tap into?
0: Well, they call themselves teachers. They say, we are who you become when you know who you are. There's a name that they've given, and they say, if you want to call us something, you can call us Melchizedek, which is an old name. It's an old priesthood. Um, and all I know is they're a hell of a lot smarter than I am, and I don't care how eloquent I might be. I'm not capable of closing my eyes and dictating all these books that don't need editing. So I trust them at this point. They're very consistent. The teachings are very consistent. I don't really think that they've contradicted themselves yet um, in in their lectures or in their books, and they seem to have our best interests at heart, our personal interests and the interests of humanity as a whole.
4: So they don't mislead you at all, do they?
0: No, actually. I mean, you know, they don't tell me what to do. You know, people think that because I can do this, I can have any information, any time that I would want. I get a lot of counsel about not making choices based in fear in the moment. I get taught in the moment by them but when they're teaching they're not just teaching me they're teaching everyone and no I I've really not been misled it's funny they've been loving and consistent and they don't override free will and they don't teach in fear which I'm grateful for
4: next hour we'll take calls with Paul who taps into these spirit guides and if you've not heard him before you're in for something very fascinating and Paul when you do take calls next hour you just want a simple question from folks
0: right well you know They call me a medium for the living, so when I'm hearing my guides, that's one station. If I'm reading for somebody named Sheila, I'll tune into Sheila, and I may hear her or the people in her life that she asks about, primarily the living. So if they're having problems with their kids, with their parents, with their jobs, I'm usually really efficient with that. And the guides come through usually with counsel or to teach.
4: Are there any questions you prefer not to handle?
0: I'm not a medical intuitive, so I don't do medical readings, and I'm not the guy to contact the dead relatives. If they're alive, I can probably get them, even if you haven't spoken to them in 10 years. Okay,
4: very good. Now, the title of your latest book, Resurrection Book One, The Manifestation Trilogy, tell us about that.
0: Well, they're teaching a whole bunch of new stuff, and I'm barely keeping up with it. They're actually almost done with the next book already um, in dictation. They're talking about manifestation, I think, in a different way than people think about it nowadays. People think, I'm going to go manifest this, I'm going to go get that. The guides I work with say that everything that we see and everything that we experience or even imagine, we're in vibrational accord with. And accord is co-resonance. And what they're teaching is how to lift to a level of consciousness or vibration where you are in reception of what you require or what you need because they say God or whatever you want to call God is source. So you're no longer scrambling to get. You're moving to a level of consciousness. They call it the upper room or the octave above the one that we've been playing our lives out in here um, to become a receiver of source. You become this... And they call this a state of resurrection or the divine self as you, the God within or whatever you want to call it, the light within, blazing through you and expressing itself. And they actually say this calls a whole new world into being. So it's a a pretty radical teaching. It's manifesting a world and being received as the one who is worthy of what the guides call the kingdom. And they say the kingdom is the awareness of the inherent divine in all manifestation. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it.
1: From iHeart Podcasts.
0: Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: What is the upper room that the guides have spoken about?
0: Well, the upper room, they say that we live in an octave of notes, high and low notes. So you have the low notes, the dark stuff, the high notes, you can call it the light stuff. And they say any song, any piece of music can be sung in a higher octave and they say we're all in tone or in vibration or resonance and their work is to transpose the music that we are, the tonality, the vibrational frequency we hold to be played in the higher, and they call that the upper room. So they say it's the octave above the one we've known ourselves through. It coexists with us. It's like another radio station. We've been playing the one that we think is reality. There's a higher one that's also available that can be known and experienced.
4: Since you've been doing this, which has been a number of years, what has been for you personally, Paul, the most satisfying aspect of what you do?
0: It's funny because I was resistant to this, and I was quite resistant to becoming public with this. I was a college teacher, and I was quite happy doing that work. I think what's remarkable is that I'm happy now as a result of this in a way that I didn't know I could be. And it's a different kind of happiness. I I can't really describe it. I'm not going to say that I'm enlightened. I'm not a spiritual teacher or guru. I have no desire to be that. But whatever this counsel is and this vibration, this energy that comes with the teachings, because they teach us how to align to it, how to work with it, and how to trust it experientially, that really has altered my life in, in practical ways. And I'm really surprised, I have to say, because for a long time I think I was doing this work on faith. You know, I would say, you know, I'm the radio. The radio doesn't always get to dance to the music. And I kind of feel now that I am. And I'm, I'm enormously grateful for this. Um, and I am still surprised that it happened because I really wasn't looking for it. I was looking for a relationship with Source And I asked, you know, I said, I want to go all the way with whatever this is, and I feel that what the guides have delivered in these texts is a way for any of us to do that, and for that I'm grateful.
4: Do the guides come to you, or do you go to them?
0: You know, when I first was doing this, and I was first doing this in groups, I used to feel like I had a tin can up to my ear with a string. Um, I would just hope to God somebody would pick up the other tin can and talk. I was a mess every time I had to channel. And then one day they, they asked for permission to merge, and I felt all this energy move through me. It was right before I was about to do a group. And since then, I really don't feel like I'm having to go anywhere or meet it's as simple for me as tuning a radio dial you know the other station is there i'm not going to play it if i'm not tuned in but it's simply the intention to do it and it's present so i show up when i'm supposed to whether it's for a client or whether it's for a book dictation or a workshop in front of a lot of people i show up they show up that seems to be the agreement but it's not like i'm having to reach for something Initially, it was, and it was. I think I was being developed. I actually think it took them a lot of years to develop me to the level that I can take the dictation for their work. I wasn't. I wasn't channeling in lecture until about two thousand and eight, I think it was. And I had begun doing this when I was in my early thirties, but I was hearing fragments of instruction, and I was bringing through energy that everybody could feel. And I was excited by the energy. The information wasn't of much interest to me until they began teaching. And now that's what they do. The energy is still there. But the teaching is really in support of our being able to comprehend and hold this spiritual energy that they say is ours to, to claim and to know ourselves as and through.
4: Some people have reported strange experiences after reading your books, phenomena. Yeah, what what has happened to them?
0: Well, it's 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 ongoing. You know, the the guide said in the very first book, this is uh, this is an energetic. The books are energetic transmissions that work directly on the reader, and they say it's a journey. The words on the page they say provide context, but the real work of the book is the energetic transmission. The guides actually say that they they're working with the reader as they're reading the book. They're supporting the students in their teaching so the very first reviews came out for the very first book on amazon there was no press nobody knew who i was from a hole in the wall you know i wasn't expecting anybody to even buy the book and people started writing these reviews and saying i'm reading this book and i'm seeing auras i'm reading this book wow. and my whole body is vibrating my favorite at the time was i'm reading this book and my husband is changing but you know it's continued again and again and again so the books are the books are all energetic transmissions, and they're, they're oddly palpable. Um, I mean, I hear about people who are driving to work listening to the audiobooks, and they have to pull over to the side of the road because they're feeling this tingling through their whole energy system and body. So this has been going on since the beginning, and when I do live workshops, everybody's feeling it too. I mean, one of the things I like about this work is you can feel it it's not about conjecture and it's really not about giving me your authority because I really don't want it, you know, I'm just not interested. But if people can read these books and have the experience of the teaching and begin to open up psychically or to a higher awareness, a lot of people open up clairsentiently with this work, the ability to feel energy, that's very, very common. I'm happy about that.
4: How does the Manifestation Trilogy differ from the Beyond the Known Trilogy series? that you are
0: working on a world scale now. I think the, the Beyond the Known Trilogy was preparing us for this. I think they've stopped talking about how we can feel better about ourselves and our lives, which was, you know, none of these books have really been self-help. They've been something other. They've been really about deep personal transformation now they're talking about being the light for everyone you know they've said again and again you can't be the light and hold another in darkness you know it just cannot be done and now they're really teaching what it means to be the light because they say if you operate at this level that they call the upper room if you're operating as manifest there everything you encounter is being altered by nature of your presence and your being in some ways It's like you become a portal to the higher, you know, and everything that you encounter, they say, you're able to lift by nature of the co-resonant field. It's interesting. Now, it would sound impossible to me, except I've experienced it, and the students who work with this in groups you can experience it. I mean, they've worked literally with claiming the inherent divine in another, and you can feel the energy roll back to you in waves. It's like the peal of a bell that comes. So they're talking now about how the world has changed, how a new world is made manifest through a higher level of consciousness.
4: Is it a better world?
0: That's an interesting question. Um, I'm going to say yes. Hmm. But I'm going to say also that our idea of better tends to be an improvement on what we have, like we're going to fix something. And the guides are kind of saying we keep rebuilding on a faulty foundation. And it's not that the foundations are going to be raised. They have said, and they said this years ago, they said humanity is at a time of reckoning and a reckoning is a facing of oneself. And all of one's creations and everything that's been created in fear needs to be reclaimed in a higher way. So the new world, they say, is a world made new. And they've actually been saying it's going to take about four generations for the manifestation of this to begin to be seen. But the process that we're in right now is having to see all the crap that's been buried that we haven't wanted to look at or how we've treated one another. You know, they say we've lived in a world for so long with war that we can't imagine a world without it. And consequently, we're always going to have it unless we lift to a level of consciousness where war is not an option. And they have said, specifically, humanity has chosen collectively at a higher level to survive. And we're doing this for two reasons. The energy is possible now. There's less density we can lift collectively to a higher vibrational field. But they're also saying if we continue on as we have, we're probably not going to make it, and we know this. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here.
1: From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life.